This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to another episode of the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amon Hawkins. Appreciate everybody for tuning in during this pandemic. And, and be- becoming a subscriber, I know we got a lot of downtime on our hands, and hopefully everybody's taking care of their family, taking care of themselves, taking care of their health. If you're an essential worker, a non-essential worker, if you got to put food on the table, do what you have to do. And anything, be safe and um, do what's best for you and your family. So uh, we got to talk about The Last Dance, episodes three and four on this Ball Hawk Show episode. Before we get started, salute to my sponsors. Uh, Able Insurance, go to ableinsurance.com for all your insurance needs, home, business, auto, life insurance. Uh, check out sthujuice.com. That's the Shut the Hell Up Juice Apparel website. That's my own brand, sthujuice.com. Uh, I have new hoodies available. Uh, be on the lookout for new apparels to be released in the coming weeks. Uh, we working. We grinding. Make sure you subscribe to the Ball Show podcast on any podcast platform, preferably go to anchor.fm. And subscribe. It's a, a support button that you can always donate. I saw somebody saying that, you know, Michael Jordan donated $4 million from the Last Dance uh, documentary. And they were saying it was just a write-off. And um, if it's that easy to get a write-off, please use the Ball Hawk Show podcast as a write-off. Donate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, people people kill me with the things that they say. And I call you on your bluff. So go to anchor.fm, hit that support button, and become Look, you could donate $5 a month. It's a button, $4.99. You could donate monthly. You could do it. Since it's so easy for Michael Jordan just to give $4 million away. So uh, let's jump right into it, man. So episode three and four came on last night. Oh, also go to AmarHawkins.com. And um, it started off, episode three was was spotlighting Dennis Rodman, okay? Spotlighting Dennis Rodman, his upbringing. And you, here's the thing with these documentaries. It's not, chronological, it's not in chronological order. I feel like this documentary and how the episodes are being released and how, and how they set them up is for you to tune in every week. Because I feel like if they're in a certain order, you could kind of say, oh, they're going to talk about this next week. I'm not going to watch it. But if you don't know what's going to happen next, I feel like you're going to be tuned in. No matter if you love Michael Jordan, uh, no matter if you hate Michael Jordan, if you love LeBron James, if you hate LeBron James, the reason why I'm saying LeBron James is because those two are connected now. Just like Kobe and Michael was connected for years. You know, Magic and you know, Magic and Bird. So, um, 
So episode three talked about Dennis Rodman, um, his upbringing. If you don't know the story of Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman and his mom didn't really get along because his mom kicked him out because he felt like he wasn't being productive in life. And he became essentially homeless and couch hopping and uh, living in people's backyards. Um, long story short, he got an opportunity to play some basketball. He went to a small college, played basketball, had a growth spurt. Dennis Rodman averaged like 27 points in college, believe it or not, 27 and 10. Um, he was still active. He was 6'8", and then Detroit took him in the second round. Very naive, as all rookies are. And um, Coach Daly became a father figure to him and, and, and molded him into a guy that believed in just doing his job, playing defense, getting rebounds, the dirty work, becoming the worm. Everybody knows the bad boys and, and the moniker uh, with Isaiah Thomas. Joe Dumas, Vinny Maxwell, Bill Lambeer, the list goes on and on. A, a very good, I want to say a mini dynasty because they almost had a three. They basically could have probably won four straight finals. You know, the first finals when Zeke hurt his ankle in L.A. versus Magic. And then you look at the last time when the Bulls knocked them off. But you think about that Detroit Pistons team and what they accomplished. They beat the darlings of the NBA to become champions. You know, they repeatedly beat Mike and kept him from ascending. Uh, they beat, they got over the hump and beat Larry Bird and the Celtics. And then they beat Magic Johnson in the finals before as well. Then they beat the Portland Trailblazers. So if you look at the MVPs when Isaiah Thomas was playing and it was Magic, Bird, and Jordan, he beat all three of them. And a lot of times people forget that. And, that's, and that takes me back to your name. You got to protect your name. So Isaiah Thomas, for a greater a player that he is, he got associated with the bad boys, and he was the leader of the bad boys. And since the bad boys went against the grain back in those days, Isaiah doesn't get the respect that he deserves because he's considered a bad boy, a prick, an a-hole. That's why name is important. I said that the other day, names are important. So it's one of the things where... They kind of touched on it through Dennis. You can kind of see how the Pistons taught him work ethic, brung that dog out of him, um, used his strengths to bring it to the forefront to, to, to better help the team. And uh, Dennis, man, Dennis started to come out of his shell in a sense of he started seeing the world for what it's worth. He started understanding his worth. He started understanding his position as far as, you know, being a dude with some money having some influence, and um, when Chuck Daly left, he just unraveled. That lets you know that coaching is very important. Relationships is very important, no matter how old you are. And um, he talked about how Dennis went to the Spurs, basically got traded. He got traded for Sean Elliott, I think. Got tra- you know, And he was just unraveling. That's when he dyed his hair. That's when Madonna jumped on the bandwagon, and, and you know they started dating. And that's when he became a character. He went from the worm to the straight-up character. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, man. It's just I I like how they did episode three. Then it showed how he got to the Bulls, how when Phil Jackson asked him if he wanted to play for them, he was like, I don't care. I just want to play basketball. Like, you know, Rodman Rodman is is a guy that basically was like, F y'all, I'm going to do what I want to do. But when it comes to my job, I'm going to do it to the fullest. Like, every, anything Rodman did, he sold out for it. 
if Rodman, uh, if he respected you, you knew he respected you. Like he was all in. Like Rodman is like that teammate that when you play against, when when he's on your team, you love him, and when you play against him, you hate him. Like he understands his role, and and Rodman is a dude that when it like when it comes to that role, like the the word role player. People get it twisted. Rodman was a role player, but he dominated in his role. Like, dominated. This is not a slight to Draymond Green. Like, when people always say, you know, Draymond Green, they're like, oh, he's just like Dennis Rodman. No, the hell he not. Draymond is his own type of role player. Dennis was a dominant role player. Like, Dennis led a major category in the NBA, rebounding at six foot eight. Repeatedly, I'm not talking about 10 or 11 rebounds, I'm talking about 18 rebounds, 20 rebounds. Repeatedly, effort, understood I can't shoot, or you think I can't shoot, but I know I got others around me. You know what I'm saying? It's similar to when people say, you know, Draymond got Steph and Clay, he should average the sissy average. It's a little different than saying, where Robin had to get all the rebounds because that's all he could do. No, that's different. Like, getting rebounds is totally different than just passing the dudes who can shoot your face off. That's why I take kind of, you know, hold on. Ken Rogers said the Bulls invented low management. All right, so I'm going I'm to I'm get through what I got to say before I go in these comments because these comments will throw me off. And I feel like some folks truly be trying to just troll for some reason. Like, with this documentary, this is what people got to realize about this documentary before I go into more what episode three and then what four said. If you are looking at this documentary just to try to tarnish what took place back in the day or try to formulate your truth and try to negate from what took place, at the end of the day, your words can't change what went down. It, it can't. I see a lot of folks taking the opportunity to look at the documentary with a with a with a notepad and a pen or a pencil and just trying to formulate ways to try to erase what took place. Uh but but Ken's comment right there about the Bulls invented low management, I don't know where that came from. Like, did they did Michael Jordan sit like I could have sworn Michael Jordan played 80 something games. And I mean, I need that to be further detailed. What do you mean by the Bulls invented load management, Ken? Like, I really need you to clarify what that meaning is for you and what the definition is for you. Because even – so the last dance is about the last season. That's that last six championship season. Even then, MJ was playing every game when Pippen was out. Rodman was playing every game. During the third episode, it showed you how Dennis Rodman – Stepped up as the number two, went up to Michael Jordan Hotel because he realized he let Mike down one of these one of the games early in the season. He went to ask Michael Jordan for a cigar. And that was a cold for them two to realize, like, all right, Dennis knew he jacked up. And that was Dennis' way of telling Mike, like, yo, my bag, I got you. Just let me get a cigar because Dennis ain't really talked to him that much. So from that point forward, when Dennis turned up, the Bulls turned up. A lot of folks... Love to say the Bulls was in disarray without Scotty. The first month, it they was all right. But after that, they turned look, they only lost eleven games without him. 
People don't tell the whole narrative. Yes, Mike never won a championship without Scotty, but that season when he had a, somebody he can he can rely on, and the team start to gel and they learn that Scotty wasn't going to be there. That record, they went on eight and nine game winning streaks. Like they only lost eleven games without Scotty, dog. They were still good. And they were beating very good teams. But people don't like people so enamored of trying to shit on Jordan and his legacy to help elevate LeBron and his legacy that they don't tell the truth. I just really dislike when people don't tell the truth because they so enamored of trying to elevate somebody over a past great or elevate a past great over a current great. Like I, I love debating, but I can't stand storytelling. I mean, I can't stand half truths. I can't stand lies. That that's one thing that I don't tolerate on my platform. You're not gonna lie on my platform and, and just influence people to think that oh that re- no that didn't happen. That didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So Daniel said he's talking about Rodman going to Vegas mid season and taking games off. Did he take games off? I think they gave him 48 hours. Did he take games off? Let me see if Rodman took any games off that season. Let me see. Let me look that up. I'm going to look up. I mean, I'm recording live right now. I'm going to type in Dennis Rodman's name, and I'm going to see how many games he played that season. Because I don't remember them saying he took games off during that documentary. So if that's the angle, I don't remember that. I, I, I really don't. Rodman played 80 games that season. He played 80 games in 97 and 98. He played 80. So I'm trying to figure out how that was low management. He played 80 games. You know what I'm saying? So 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 they let Rodman, so for the folks who didn't watch it, um, they let Rodman go to Vegas for 48 hours. And Michael Jordan was like, if you let him leave and go to Vegas, his ass not coming back. He not going to come back on time. Lo and behold, Rodman didn't come back on time. He chilled with Carmen Electra. He having a good old time. He drinking. He living it up. He like Ja Rule. Everybody that be living it up, you say, what do I do? That's what he was doing. And um, Michael Jordan had to go get him. They went a private jet, went and got him, came back. He, he got pajamas on. And then when he came back, they started doing the Indian drill to where, you know, you run laps in a single file line. And then the person in the back got to catch the person in the front. And um, Michael Jordan was like, look, I need everybody to go slow because, damn it, it's, it's some BS that I'm pulled into this Dennis Rodman stuff. Uh, so everybody have a slow pace so Dennis could catch the person in the front. So they said when Dennis got to the front, Dennis, who only knew one gear and one way, was hauling ass. They said even though he was partying for all those days, he was hauling ass. And it took them three laps for the person in the back to finally catch Dennis Rodman. And that's when Jordan knew that, Dennis was different. And that's when Phil Jackson knew that Dennis was just like him. So from the Dennis episode, you see that Phil Jackson understood Dennis Rodman. He gave him leeway. He said, you don't put a saddle on a Mustang. You let it be. As long as I'm getting the best out of you, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? So... That led us, that segued us into episode four, and it gives you the background on Phil Jackson, how Phil Jackson came from a, a family of ministers and, and his, his family's beliefs and his upbringing, how he played for the New York Knicks, was a champion for the New York Knicks, but how he was a player just like Dennis Rodman. He was just a role guy. 
that understood his role. You know what I'm saying? What up, Willis? My man, Willie Ocean. So, um, I enjoy episode four because it really showed why Phil could manage personalities. Because Phil was out there doing acid. Phil was out there being a hippie. Like, Phil was Dennis Rodman, bro. Phil was out there doing it up and then playing. But you got to think, man, this is the days when Wilt Chamberlain's out here smashing chicks and giving you a hundred. I mean, dudes knew how to do both, burn lights at both ends of the candle. So that gave me a better appreciation for Phil. Phil go over there in Puerto Rico. He coaching over there. He's successful. Then he come back to the States and coaching Albany. He's successful. Like everywhere Phil went, truth be told, he was successful. So then they tie that into how he could have been um, a coach under the uh, assistant coach under the coach before Doug Collins. He came in dressed as a hippie and talking crazy. Um, he wasn't hired, and then Krause brought him back under Doug Collins, and they told him make sure you dress right and talk appropriately in the interview better. And through telling the story about Phil, you kind of saw how Michael Jordan got viewed as a ball hog. Because if you look at Doug Collins and his offensive sets and his philosophy, everything ended with Mike having the ball. So Mike goes from UNC with Dean Smith, team basketball, team basketball. Then he gets to the NBA to when he was a rookie, he's, he's doing work. He hurts his foot the second uh, year, and then he come back. And everybody know the Boston Celtics playoff game. But then when Doug came in, Doug made everything about Mike. And if you and Mike is a dude, through these first four episodes, it shows me that Mike is going to fall in line as long as you make him truly believe it. Like, as long as the results are positive, Michael Jordan is going to fall in line. You know what I'm saying? But once he is set in a certain way and you try to get him away from that way, the results have to be positive for him to truly buy in. You know what I'm saying? They were like, it's no I and team, but he says the I and win. It's like Kobe said, there's no I in team, but it's an M-E in team. It's just a mentality of, damn it, if you're not going to get it done, I'm going to get it done. And that's why people love Mike, because Mike had that self-belief, like, I'm not going to let us burn. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let us die. I'm going to fight. And you saw the evolution of Phil Jackson with Tex winners and this triangle offense and, and what it did to defenses and, and, and how it allowed the team to be better because when Detroit built in these Detroit, uh, these MJ rules, you know, the Jordan rules, it was all centered around Mike because Doug Collins' offense was Michael Jordan. It wasn't because Mike was a ball hog. If the coach is saying, I'm giving you the ball, regardless, you're going to be an extension of your head coach. I tell players all the time, you are an extension of your head coach. If your head coach is a thinker and he and he breathes thinking and, and IQ, and you're going to end up replicating that. Mike replicated Doug Collins, and he ran with it. Don't get me wrong. Any player, I don't care who you are. If the coach said, I want the ball in your hands, and you think that everybody else needs a ball in their hands, but the coach keeps saying, I need a ball in your hands, everybody's going to be like, all right, the ball in my hands. And Tex Winter was trying to say, yo, if you want to get over the hump, we got to run this triangle offense. And my man B.I. said, how do you feel about they got rid of Doug Collins? I'm going to get to that. 
So Tex Winters in the in the cut and in the, in, the, in a little ironically it looked like Tex Winter and Jerry Krause had were, were concocting a plan to get Doug ass up out of there. And they used Phil as the pawn. Because Phil could be the face. Cause Tex, I don't think Tex really wanted to be the head coach. I think Tex loved being in the cut, just being the architect and and doing his administrative role. But but Phil was the excuse to get rid of Doug by Jerry Krause. Krause got rid of Doug Collins, who took them to the Easy College for finals. Michael Jordan was pissed. Michael Jordan did not like the philosophy of the triangle offense because it was been and like Michael Jordan, when they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers and they left Elo on him instead of Ron Harper, it showed you type of dude Michael Jordan was. Remember, all the writers had Michael Jordan them losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He ran up to them. I got rid of you already by your prediction. I got rid of you by your prediction, and you next. When Michael Jordan pumping his fist, he's saying, telling y'all, get the F out of here. He served him, shut the hell up, Juice. Like, Mike was just a dude that all he knew was one way. But Tex Winter and, and Phil had a vision. Like, look, Jordan rules, Jordan rules. They want to stop Jordan. They want to stop Jordan. Triangle offense will beat the bad boys. Mike, trust your teammates. And Mike said, look, man. I trust your offense, but damn it, with five seconds left, I don't want no damn Bill Cartwright shooting the ball. Because Bill was old by then. And Bill, you know, you had to earn Mike respect. Like, Mike is that leader. Like, you got to show me. You ain't going to talk my head off. And you got to be consistent. You know what I'm saying? You got to be consistent in what you do. That's the key word with Michael Jordan. Consistency. It wasn't just show up here and there. Only way you earn his respect is being consistent. Because Mike was consistent. That's what greats are. They are consistent. It's not about deferring. It's about, all right, I'll pass it to you if I know you're going to make it. Not just because you open. It's a difference. Now, Mike would force up bad shots. Mike was a ball hog in a sense. But you understood why it, it, it helped people. If you people are really paying attention and you really want to learn and you really want to get the truth, the documentary is telling you right in your face the truth. Like Doug Collins created the monster known as Michael shoot the ball all the time, Jordan. And then Phil Jackson came in with Tex Winter, and you saw the team-oriented Michael Jordan that you saw from UNC. So for the, for the folks who think Michael Jordan was a ball hog, you can go all the way back to UNC and see he was a team player. Mike, the team player was in him. The facilitator was in him. It's times when Michael Jordan was asked to play point guard, and he averaged a triple-double with Doug Collins as a, as a coach. When Scottie Pippen started to develop, you had John Paxson there, Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong. The team started to develop. The team started to understand the triangle. They started to, to really grow within the triangle. And you saw the shift. You know what I'm saying? The, the year that Scotty got the migraine, you see that in episode four, that hurt them that game seven because Scotty couldn't do anything. Like, Scotty was the catalyst of the triangle. You got a abnormally tall forward that could play point guard. Not a point guard like Magic Johnson playing point guard. You got a forward playing point guard and with that you can run the triangle it made it that much more dynamic because you got a guy in Scottie Pippen who was athletic like Michael Jordan but could also be the full-time facilitator now and now Mike could utilize his mid-range game through the triangle offense and anytime Mike would get the ball at the wing it could start off at the triangle but then they could they would also clear the side of the court but the defender wouldn't even realize it sometimes when they showed those diagrams in the, in the uh, documentary, you saw how the triangle be shifting from side to side. And then you can see how it can develop into an ISO, but it's fluid. 
And it, it made Mike attack right now. Like, you got to make your decision right now. The defense can't double you because it was always an outlet threat. So when they finally beat the Detroit Pistons, this is what everybody want to talk about, right? So when they played the Pistons and they finally beat them and kept them from their three-peat, they swept the Pistons, swept their ass, right? Pistons have been beating on Michael Jordan for years, the bad boys, beating the living hell out of them, like beating them down. Mike was fed up. Mike started lifting weights. Scotty started developing. Mike started really breaking bread with Scotty, um, giving him that mindset, that, that, that greatness mindset, because Scotty had all the tools, but Mike was giving him that consistent mindset, and B.J. Armstrong talked about that. And Scotty saw that somebody like Michael was investing in him. So that gave Scotty the confidence. And when Scotty got confident, Jordan became at ease because he knew he had a running mate that athletically was just as gifted. And he knew that was trouble for the Detroit Pistons. Now you got two gifted freaks on the wing and you're in the triangle, meaning you don't know who's going to get the ball. It's trust there. So your little Jordan rules not going to apply because when Jordan get the ball and you try to shift to him, now I got another athletic freak within harm's way that I can get the ball to. And now I got to do like Horace Grant, who not going to get in his feelings when we start beating up on him. Because Detroit is was the ultimate trash-talking team. Anybody that's ever tr- uh, talked trash understands this. When you're talking trash, your main objective is to get a reaction. An abnormal reaction. If you're a guy that doesn't talk a lot and I'm playing against you and I'm talking trash to you and I finally get you to respond, whether it's four sentences or three words, I got you because you're usually even kill. All I want is one reaction because one reaction leads to another reaction. It's a, it, 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 it's a domino effect. It's a snowfall, whatever you want to ever want to call it. And it told you in the documentary. When Dennis Rodman pushed Scottie Pippen to the ground and they made it seem like it was the hardest foul in America and it could have been, but from the outside looking in, from what they showed, we can't see if Scottie hit his head on the chair or not. <clears throat> but the fact that Scottie got up, collected his composure, and didn't once try to buck at a piston, John Siley told you. He said when we threw him down and he didn't even say anything back and he just went right to the free throw line, we knew we messed up. We knew we were done. I'm glad John Siley was very transparent. I'm glad he was very transparent and told the truth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my man Mike Gibson said, was there ever a question that MJ was a ball hog? I must have missed that discussion. No, MJ was called a ball hog because people go look at how many shots he took and they called him a ball hog. He was called a ball hog early in his career. He was. He was. I mean... You might have missed the discussion because social media wasn't around, but I remember back in the day, because he couldn't beat the Pistons, they were calling him a ball hog. Like, they had never win with him just always shooting. And then if you read the book Jordan Rules, they talked about how Tex Winter and Mike would get into it. And Tex was like, look, man, we can't win with you taking all these damn shots. So it was like, it may not have been discussed at length like we discuss things today, but it was mentioned that, he was a ball hawk. You know what I'm saying? So back to what John Sally and, and that and that EC Conference Finals. And um, so the Bulls going to sweep the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons are trying to have a three peat like the Lakers did, right? 
like I said, they could have had a four-peat because the finals before they won their first championship, Isaiah had that bad ankle sprain. And when he came out of the locker room, it was limping. And they won. And, and, and then the Lakers ended up winning it. But here is the controversy from both episodes that I'm about to discuss. So when Michael Jordan and them swept Detroit, they swept them. This is the first time Isaiah Thomas ever been swept. They walked off the court with a couple seconds left. And when they're walking off the court, they have to walk past the Bulls bench. So their bench was at the opposite end of their tunnel. And they had to walk past the Bulls bench to get to their tunnel, like on the same side. So they act, literally, the Bulls got to move their feet back or the, or the Pistons got to be on the court a little bit to get past the Bulls bench to get to the tunnel. While they're walking off, they don't Zeke and Lambert and them don't shake hands. Zeke, you knew Zeke knew he was wrong because Zeke tucked his head. Anytime somebody know they're wrong, they tuck their head and they won't even look at you. If somebody feel like they're in there right, they'll just look at you in your face like, uh, you got me messed up. You think I'm going to shake your hand. But Zeke tucked his head and ran. In other words, I say he tucked his tail and ran. Right? So, back then, rivalries were tough, right? And this is not the, you know, the elevate mic. But every time the Pistons beat Mike ass on the court and by the final score, Mike shook their hands. Mike went right on the court and shook their hands. When the Pistons beat the Boston Celtics, when they finally got over that hump and beat the Celtics to get to the finals to play the Lakers, the Celtics ran off the court like the Pistons did versus the Bulls. So the Celtics did it too. So Larry Bird ass was a bad sport. Don't know why I want to talk about that. So, yes, we pointed out Zeke, but let's make sure we point out Larry Bird non-shaking hand ass that he did to Zeke in them. Because he ran in the crowd like he was Dennis Rodman goddamn skydiving off the stage in the concert. And as, as Kevin McHale tried to do the same thing, Zeke saw it and grabbed Kevin McHale like, hey, man, you ain't going to show me my respects. And then they end up exchanging pleasantries, they dapped up, and then Kevin McHale went to Vinnie Maxwell, dapped him up, and then ran off the court. So that's what happened to Zeke. Zeke felt like Larry Bird did it to him. Nobody said nothing about Larry Bird. So when it came to Zeke getting his tail whooped by Mike, Zeke did what Larry Bird did. I want to make sure that's at the forefront. If you mad at Zeke, be mad at Larry Bird ass too, because Larry Bird did it to Zeke. It don't make it right. At all. I felt like if you grabbed Kevin McHale and made him uh, respect you and shake your hand, you should have did the same thing to Mike. You should have went to Mike like you made Kevin McHale do you, Zeke. You can't have it both ways. You can't say Larry ain't shake my hand, so that's why I had to shake Mike's hand. No, but you made Kevin McHale shake your damn hand. If if that was the case, you would have just let Kevin McHale walk past you. If you sense he won't going to shake your hand and trying to be a coward. That's my thing. So, Zeke, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. And, like, yeah, Bing, they do got the Ja Rule and 50 Cent type beef. This some, it's some true vitriol between those two. And reason being is Mike always felt like he respected Zeke when Zeke was whooping his ass. And when he finally whooped Zeke's ass, it wasn't reciprocated. And I understand where Mike coming from. I understand where, where Zeke coming from. The hell with you, golden boy. F you, because the other golden boy ain't shake my hand. So the hell with you. Tell Larry to come. I see both ends of the spectrum. 
Me personally, I'm gonna shake your hand if I'm engaging in war. I'm just gonna shake your hand if you beat me. That's a big ass if. It ain't you ain't gonna beat me. But if you beat me, I'm gonna shake your hand. <laughs> That's a competitiveness. I'm gonna shake your hand. But I see where Zeke coming from. You know what I'm saying? Like Nicole said, don't I'm not saying this right. I'm just saying we don't make Larry Bird to be a bad guy when he didn't shake Zeke's hand. That's all I'm saying. Why is that? I'm about narratives. I'm about the same logic. So if I'm pissed off at Zeke, I'm going to be pissed off at Larry Bird, bum ass for not shaking Zeke and the Pistons' hands when they beat him. Nobody to this day don't talk about how Larry Bird was an asshole. Larry Bird will tell you he was an asshole when he played. He would tell you he was an asshole when he was like Larry Bird will tell you, I'm an introvert. The hell what y'all think? And people still love Larry Bird. But boy, they show hate Isaiah Thomas because he was a little asshole. Why is it any different? Why? Why is it? I'm trying to figure out what. Make, and this is not a. I don't. Even, I'm not an Isaiah Thomas fan. But what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. Like it's a shame. We would. We would. We would. We would shit on Isaiah Thomas. We would shit on him. We will. But we get Larry Bird a biggest pass. He come on man, bad sportsmanship by Larry Bird. That don't take away from his greatness. He was on the dream team. They ain't seen nothing wrong with it. But when you got all three Golden Boys having it now, Magic didn't have an issue with Zeke. Magic didn't have issues with anybody. So Magic word doesn't really hold any weight when it comes to do you want Zeke on the team. But we knew Mike and Larry ass. See, I don't think it was just Mike that didn't want Zeke on the team. Larry didn't want Zeke on the team. Charles Barkley didn't care for Zeke. There's a lot of dudes that didn't care for Zeke because he was attached to the bad boys. I'm trying to tell y'all. Dennis Rodman ass one up there. Nobody think twice about putting Dennis Rodman on that shit. I would have used Dennis over there speaking, uh, getting all them damn rebounds for the dream team. Shoot. The hell? Give me Dennis. Put Hey, Dennis, go get his 30 boys in this exhibition Olympic game. Because that's all it was, an exhibition game to the dream team. And the next episode going to be about the dream team. And, and and everything about that. But in the gist, those two episodes were about Rodman and Phil, how they were alike and how Phil got the best out of Rodman and how Rodman respected Phil so much. And he respected Jordan and Pittman. Don't get me wrong. Rodman respected the hell out of them. If Rodman respected you, he was going to do his job to the best of his ability. Mike Gibson said, bottom line, when we talk about best players of all time, Isaiah doesn't get mentioned generally. Burr gets mentioned. Mikhail gets mentioned. Perry gets mentioned. The difference is Isaiah made his bed as a bad boy. History ju- judges. Yeah, history may judge, but it don't mean we can't make it right. Just because past history don't want to give Isaiah his due doesn't mean I ain't going to sit up here on my platform and give him his due. He won the baddest point guards we've ever seen in, in our lifetime and the NBA's ever seen. And who can say they beat Magic, Michael, and Bird? Zeke can. Say that again. The three MVPs of his lifetime, of his career, Magic, Michael, Bird. Zeke beat them. Yes, he got attached to the bad boys, but they said history heals all wounds. But we still hold Zeke. Hold things against Zeke. Now, between Mike and Zeke, Mike, you want look, Mike can have all the beef he wants with Zeke. That's personal. 
I don't got no issue with Mike having resentment towards Zeke. Zeke got to be the bigger man because Zeke know good and damn well that Mike always extended his hand out to him. So, yes, uh, uh, a damn assassin like Michael Jordan? No. You don't. One thing I learned, a, a, a mentality like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, you don't cross them. And if you do cross them and you want to mend the fence, boy, you better, you, better, you better come all the way out the way. You know what I'm saying? Like Rodman never, like Rodman was, see, here's the thing why Rodman was allowed into the bull circle and not a guy like Zeke. Rodman wasn't seen as the leader. The leader always always gets the brunt of it. Like a Bill Lambeer, it's different. John Sally is different. Rick Mahorn, different. Like they all, like Jordan ain't got no issue with Rick Mahorn. It's, it's just because Zeke is seen as the head of the snake. You the best player. And it seemed like all those other guys, you know, had conversations with Mike. You know what I'm saying? James Harris said, Thomas the second best point guard behind Magic to me. And, and look, I had no issue with people putting Zeke in their top three PG. Like, Zeke was the best. Like, people forget how great Zeke was. And that lets you know how powerful names and narratives are. Y'all going to start believing me when I say this. Names and narratives are very powerful. They just don't go away. Being able to rebrand yourself isn't easy. Changing the perception from negative to positive is very hard. When you see a player rebrand themselves and change the narrative about themselves from negative to a positive, it took a lot of work, and they should be applauded. Like, Zeke, don't nobody talk about, like, as much as this dude on TV. Now, don't get me wrong. What he did when he became a coach and a GM, yeah. That that don't help Zeke either. <laughs> let's, let's call it spade and spade. But that's just what, you know, when somebody do something we don't like, then we'll just, we, just, we just push away everything they ever did that was successful. We do that. We just throw them away. We throw them away. You know what I'm saying? We do. We see, we see that right now with the James Winston situation. You got people saying he was always garbage and trash. Like, all it takes is somebody has showed some little bit of a struggle, and it will never worth nothing. That's how we program. Oh, I knew he was always trash. Oh, I knew this. Oh, I knew that. But, yeah, like being said, Zeke personality overshadowed his talent, and that's absolutely correct. Daniel Burns says Zeke or A.I., Daniel Burns, you should know one thing and one thing clear. There would never be no damn Bubba Chuck slander on here. So don't any person you put by Bubba Chuck is going to get destroyed. So that should answer your question. Don't do not do that. Zeke or AI, you're going to ask a person from the 757, an outside 757 dude versus a 757 dude. Man, you should know better than that. Come on, Skip Bayless. You know what I'm saying? And I do want to tell Bill Lambeer, Talking to Rachel Nichols, saying, you know, the Bulls finally beat us because we were old. Fool, y'all won't old. Don't give me that old stuff. Cause y'all would have won. Y'all would have. Don't give me that old stuff, man. I hate when for all they were old. No, y'all ain't just expect them to get their hind parts beat like that. They got beat down. Beat down to the ground, to the grizzam. Oh, we just old. Get on my damn nerves with that mess, man. I really dislike when somebody just try to take take the credit away from somebody for dogging them. Like, they dogged y'all, bro. They dogged y'all. They dogged you. You lost. You got swept. 
Y'all was 50 and 32 that year. Second in the Central Division. Y'all beat the Atlanta Hawks 3-2 in the first round, then beat the Boston Celtics 4-2 in the second round. Use the number three seed. But now y'all old. Man, them narratives be killing me, man. It be killing me, man. Now we old. No, you out there playing. You ain't old to me. You're playing. 27, 29, 29, 33, 34. So, Bill Lambert, 33. Bill, all you did was elbow and foul. Vinny Johnson, 34, he was built different. Trust me. Look at him. Mark Aguirre was 31. He was still leading them and scoring in the series versus uh, Boston. John Sally was 26. Dennis Rodman was 29. Isaiah was 29. Joe Dumont was just 27. But now they old. I know people say, oh, medicine was different back then. So if they were old, if, if that's considered old back then, then goddamn, that's, that's going to make Mike playing until he was 35 that much better. Or, I mean, Dennis Rodman kept playing till he was 38. But that's old. But, but they old. Like, come on, come on, come on, Bill Lambeers. Drink to shut the hell up, Juice. You got smashed, bro. Whoa, Hawk, I put up a food post about AI. Did you miss that? Nah, Mike, what you talking? A, a good post about AI. Nah. Yeah, I missed it. I didn't, I didn't see what you put, Mike. Dude, AI story kind of reminds me of Zeke's story for different reasons, but some somewhat similar reason. They both get overlooked. Now, I will say this. AI, AI don't get overlooked. AI gets his full respect for what he did in the court. That's one thing I can say about AI, even though AI had that negative persona, the fact that so many players spoke on the behalf of AI, it negated the negative uh, narrative that he had with the media. Like the fact that so many next generation players say it was because of AIs, because of AIs, because of AI. But like LeBron, I didn't want to be uh, Jordan, I want to be AI. It made the mainstream media drink shut the hell up juice. AI got full credit for taking that 7-6 to the finals. AI does not, like, they don't diss AI that he never won a championship because they they realize that that dude would do any and everything to win. I, I saw one thing I would say about AI, like, real recognize real. That's, that line, that statement alone washed away any negativity that the media tried, like the practice. It kills me when people say AI hated the practice, but they don't know why he won that practice ran. Like one of his friends, you know, got into a situation, and that's why the practice rant came. Like people don't like the thing about AI and the media and the folks who were late to the party and that believe everything in the media. AI was that dude that I always tell folks, be careful what you wish for, right? We always want athletes to be honest until they're honest. And then it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I ain't want all that. AI was that type of athlete. If you're going to interview him, you're going to get an interview. Point blank, period. You ask AI a question, and if AI want to do say no comment, and you keep prying in his no comment and want to keep asking why why he's saying no comment, then he's going to give you what you're looking for. And then when he give you what you're looking for, people are, oh, my God, how did you say that? What do you mean? 
Hey, I got beat up like Mike, and he kept going. People fell in love with his heart on the floor. Exactly. And then he had a coach like Phil that said, trust people around you. And old Larry. Old Larry came in to say, trust me. So, yeah, man. AI that deal. AI the living legend, man. 757's own. You know what I'm saying? But hopefully y'all enjoyed the last dance. Damn, I said it was going to be 30 minutes. It's almost out. Hopefully y'all enjoyed the last dance. These uh, previous episodes, three and four. Again, if if you didn't watch it, um, sorry for the spoiler alerts, but I like how they tied in Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson. It made me appreciate Phil Jackson for his ability to manage personalities his ability to bring in his way of thinking and his philosophy to his team, you know, like the yoga and and bringing in Zen masters, uh, being one with yourself, and just recalibrating Michael Jordan. You got this scoring machine that always won the ball in his hand that wants to compete, and you realize, hey, buddy, we got another freak over here too, Trust that freak. In other words, in matter of fact, don't just trust him. Break bread with him. Invest in him. And his name was Scottie Pippen. And oh, oh, wait, we got another dude named Horace Grant. We're going to need him too. Because he'll ride with you too. Oh, and another thing. We got a dude wearing number five that's open, passing the damn ball. His name is John Paxson. So, when the Bulls are in the finals versus the Lakers, Michael Jordan kept getting double teamed and he kept trying to elevate and score, split the double teams, doing what Michael Jordan do. And they were going to the fourth quarter. It was game three. The series was, was tied at one. And um, Phil Jackson was like, hey, Mike, when you get the ball somebody getting double teamed, who's open? <laughs> Mike was like, Paxson open. And Phil was like, well, pass him the damn ball then. And Mike was like, all right, then I'll pass the ball basically like, all right. And if he miss, I'm going to throw it in your damn face. And he threw it to Paxson when he got double team and Paxson swapped that joint. And Mike was like, all right. And then they tried to double Mike again. He swung it to the weak side to Paxson. He swapped another one. And Mike was like, oh, so little homie can shoot. They done. And from that game on, outside of Scottie Pippen checking Magic Johnson full court, something nobody ever did. John Paxson was a dude that Mike was like, I could trust him too. So for all the folks saying, you know, Mike passed it to Paxson and Paxson hit big shots, you damn right. He earned Mike trust. Once you earn Mike trust, he ain't had no issue getting you the ball. You just had to earn his trust. You just did. So I know that the debate's going to come in, you know, why LeBron get, get backlash. That's because people just looking for, 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 for one, they just looking for something to argue about. Two, it's the perception. Like Kobe and Mike got a perception of, I'm going to get it done. Brian got the perception of, you get it done. And that might not even be true, but it's just the perception. I'm just being transparent with y'all. That's why they always clown LeBron because they feel like Brian has a perception of, you do it. I don't want it. And I don't think that's true. Brian just tell you, I'm going to make the smart basketball play. And... Kobe and Mike's mentality was, damn it, I'm going to make the play. Or I'm going to at least show you I can make the play first and fail. And then I'm going to rely on somebody else 
and then we'd be successful. I think that's the difference between Mike Kobe versus LeBron is that LeBron is going to make the smart basketball play regardless, and Mike and Kobe are going to make it a point to show you that they could do it first before they do the smart basketball. Like, yeah, they shots won't smart. Mike hung in the L versus Craig Elo. Now, granted, it only had time for Mike to take the shot, but Mike had to show you that, damn it, I can make the big shot. All right, we ain't winning. John, make this jank. Appreciate you, Mike. And I and I think that's, and to me, that's my interpretation of the difference of LeBron versus Kobe and Jordan. And it's not fair. I don't want to say that it's fair, but it's not fair. It's not fair, but that's what I get. That's what I gather from the folks who talk about those three guys. Why they put Mike and Kobe over here? Because of the the Mamba mentality and the Jordan mentality is I'm gonna get it done. Now let me tell you a little something about LeBron that people gloss over. That I want to make sure people know. As much as people say LeBron is the ultimate team player. LeBron is just as ball dominant as Michael Jordan was before the triangle offense. Let's make sure that's clear. We're going to make sure that's clear. You know what I'm saying? LeBron is just as ball dominant as Michael and Kobe were. Just because you pass at the end and you get assists, don't mean you can't be considered a ball hog if you always got the ball they may shoot, but you, if you dominate the ball 17 of the 24 seconds, you're still a ball hog. I'm just, I just want folks to know, like, we got to stop trying to maneuver ways of saying why somebody different. Like, hell no. Hey, I told y'all, if I pass the ball to you and everybody passing around and they come back to me with seven seconds, you had your chance. You can't call me a ball hog. You could have been shot the ball. And I agree with that when AI said that. It's the truth. You feel what I'm saying? All right, Nicole, appreciate you. Yeah, Terry, Dennis Rodman was definitely an animal, man. And yeah, and then BJ and Steve, yeah. And you had Craig Hodges, too, who was a three-point guy. Like, look, Bulls had a very good, well-constructed team, right? And it's another it's another narrative that I think needs to be debunked. People always say, you know, Michael Jordan was never an underdog in the finals. Who cares? Who like who cares? Like when we when we think about the great Muhammad Ali, he probably was the underdog one time that was against George Foreman. Everybody knew he was gonna be Sonny Liston. Everybody knew he was going to come back and beat Frazier. Everybody, but they were surprised he lost to Frazier, but everybody knew he could beat Frazier. The one time Muhammad Ali was a true underdog was versus George Foreman. So because you were underdog one time, that make you more of a champion than somebody who was never an underdog. Like, it, it, these narratives that come out to try to just, you know, I don't know. Mike Gibson said LeBron hasn't changed the game. Kobe changed the game. MJ changed the game the way it's played. I don't know if Kobe changed the game. Kobe replicated Mike's game. He extended what we saw in Mike. God rest his soul. I feel like Mike came in and changed the game because we had never seen anybody play the game like Mike. You had Dr. J who could fly like Mike and be graceful. But we never seen somebody with the athleticism of a Michael Jordan and the ability to shoot 
like Michael Jordan, the ability to handle and the ability to jump like Michael Jordan all in one. When it came to Kobe, Kobe was an extension of Mike. Now, the one thing about Kobe game that Mike didn't have was the three, the long ball. Now, Kobe could shoot the three, and he was stronger at shooting the three than Mike based off what we've seen because Mike didn't have the three-point line in college. It wasn't really a part of his game until late. He had to, you know, adapt late. Um, but Kobe, I think, extended our love for Mike. Like, Kobe's career made us love Mike that much more. And we love Kobe because he gave us another window of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. But that doesn't take away the great player that Kobe was because Kobe was a, a phenomenal player. Like, Kobe is, like, it kills me when Kobe get left out of the GOAT conversation. Like, we just gloss over him. Even though he's a he said he wanted to mimic Mike and he did that, that doesn't mean we just take Kobe out of the equation. Yes, Kobe played with Shaq, but damn it, Kobe was right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kobe played with Shaq, but he was right there. He led series with Shaq there. Kobe was the spur killer. If Kobe's not there, Shaq doesn't beat the Spurs. So we got to stop disrespecting Kobe and glossing over him like he can't be in the conversation as the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James changed the culture. Here's what I mean by this. LeBron James did the culture a favor of showing players the true business savvy that a player can have while being an active player. Winning on and off the court while being active. That's what LeBron James, that's why I always put LeBron in the go conversation because he changed the mindset as far as being that businessman while playing. We had never seen that before. We usually hear about guys being successful off the court once they were done. We knew Michael Jordan had the Jordan brand, but back then we didn't have social media, so we didn't truly understand the business side of sports. But since social media started, we never had a basketball player really take their career by the reins, surround themselves with family, friends, um, sow seeds into them so they become successful in their own right and make it an empire like LeBron James did. That's why LeBron James will be remembered because LeBron is just not great on the field. He is just as great off the court. And that's why I put LeBron. So LeBron may not have changed the game like Michael did and, and, and did the things that Kobe did to make us think about Michael again. LeBron gives me the Magic Johnson feel, so that's that's why I love watching LeBron because it reminds me of Magic with the athleticism of a Michael. But he gives me that Magic Johnson current businessman savvy while being active. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love it. Now here's the here's the here's the difficult part because my man Daniel said Kareem should be in the conversation too. Back in the day, bigs were seen as the GOAT. Little guys were never respected as the leader, the GOAT, in any conversation. Since then, big men are extinct as far as being appreciated for being the leader of teams. People always say that the thing about big men is that they need little guys to facilitate the ball and get it to them. So that's why people always stick to wing guys as being the GOAT because 
they could essentially beat you as soon as the ball is inbounded in the backcourt. They could take the ball from the backcourt, cross you up, get to the bucket, or shoot a jumper. And everybody's so mentally enamored of saying, well, the big man need a guard. The big man needs somebody to feed him the ball. But that's the same thing of saying LeBron need help, Kobe need help, Michael Jordan need help. Everybody need help. So we should include the big man because everybody needs help. Everybody needs that sidekick. What we need to do is, though, what we really need to do is we really need to start appreciating the others, the sidekicks, the one B's or the twos. Because as much as we say so-and-so, like Jordan never won without Pippen, every star needed that other name with them. Every star. Every one. In these debates from this day four, you gotta you gotta give you gotta give the other guys their roses because these stars needed the other guy. They did. Yeah, Mike never won without Scotty. So what? As much as you love Shaq, you better respect Pau Gasol. As much as y'all try to say Pau Gasol soft, it's still Pau Gasol, Hall of Famer, coming up. Yeah, all NBA performer. That's a number two. Legit. LeBron realized when they lost to the Mavs in the first time, if I'm going to be, look, I need to be the head honcho, but I know I need D-Wade. D-Wade led the way. I didn't, I didn't live up to my end. That first final versus the Mavs, LeBron failed D-Wade because D-Wade lived up to his end of the bargain. D-Wade lived up to his end of the bargain every finals. They just lost. You know what I'm saying? To the to the to the Spurs the last time. I mean, yeah, D Wade was washed by then. Like knees wise, he was washed. But you get what I'm saying. But when LeBron went to Cleveland, without Kyrie, LeBron don't win the championship. As much as people say Kyrie would have died without LeBron, LeBron doesn't have this storybook ending in Cleveland without Kyrie Irving. As much as y'all want to say I hate Kyrie because he went to Duke, he think the earth flat, he an asshole, he think he a little Kobe, he left LeBron before LeBron left him. As much as y'all want to diss Kyrie and say he'd never win another one without LeBron. Without Kyrie, LeBron never wins in Cleveland. I can stand on that. I can prove that. It's the truth. And without Kyrie hitting that shot, Golden State never gets KD. Draymond Green never cried like a little girl and called Big Brother KD to come in. And once KD started winning the championship, he the first dude that wants KD to leave. That's what I want to talk about now. Did y'all see Draymond Green? On the Up and Smoke podcast, go you know go subscribe to the Up and Smoke podcast on Showtime, but it's on YouTube. Um, Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. So here we go. Draymond Green up here, right? Draymond Green, love Draymond Green. He talks spicy. People think I hate Draymond Green, but I don't hate Draymond Green. I enjoy him. You know what I'm saying? Um. But Draymond Green, I think, is a is a is a role guy that gets ahead of himself. He's a role guy that starts to, you know, smell himself a little too much. Charles Barkley is hard on Draymond Green because people really was out here saying Draymond Green was better than Charles Barkley, which is a bold faced damn lie. Draymond Green would never be better than no damn Charles Barkley. You're dumb as hell. If if you just watch the Houston Rockets, Charles Barkley, then I, I understand why you think Draymond is better. You better go watch it. Young Barkley. That's like me seeing the Washington Wizards, Michael Jordan, like, this y'all goat? This dude trash. Nah, I'm going to watch Young Mike. 
the Chicago Bulls might. Go watch that Phoenix Suns, Charles Barkley. Go watch that 76ers, Charles Barkley. You know what I'm saying? Draymond Green was up there, and he started talking about Charles Barkley, right? And I just knew Stephen A. I just knew Stephen Jackson was going to step in and be like, oh, hold on now. But I guess they just wanted to let Draymond, you know, get it off his chest, spit his balls. Um, and he's trying to say that Barkley never impacted the game like he did. And I'm sitting there like, what the f- do you do that impacts the game like Barkley did? What do you do? What do you do? Like, people got to realize, man, Draymond was all NBA off of a name and narrative. Really. People always say stats ain't everything. Stats is a lot. Stats is what gets you noticed but for the accolade. Because without numbers, you nothing. Truth be told. Like, that's the classic dude along for the ride. You the classic Ronnie DeVoe and Bell Bill DeVoe and New Edition. Yes, you are the dancer. Yes, your uncle helped us learn how to dance. But damn it, you're Ronnie DeVoe. You ain't singing nothing. Do you write anything? Do you produce? So why are you up here like you Ralph Trasvent or even Bobby Brown? You know what I'm saying? That's what this Draymond Green slick talk remind me of. This is like Ronnie DeVoe coming out here talking about, I'm Bell Bill DeVoe. If it weren't for me, matter of fact, Justin Timberlake ain't got nothing on me. I was a part of New Edition. Can you imagine if Ronnie DeVoe started talking slick to Justin Timberlake? Really? Would we allow that? That's, that's what this reminds me of. Come on, man. We talk about Justin Timberlake who went solo, Ronnie. You've never been solo. And when your dude's not there, you oh no. You cast but the friendly ghost. But we got Draymond out here talking, you know, and, and Draymond did clear it up about the money situation because the money is different. You feel what I'm saying? But you out here throwing your, like, I make more money. Like, come on, fam. Come on, fam. Be, be, be grateful, bro. Be grateful. Come on, man. We can't, we can't do that. Draymond, you had your opportunity this year to serve Barkley, shut the hell up, Juice, and you average a triple single, bro. You did that. You, Draymond. And I ain't got nothing against you. Nothing against you. I think you're a hell of a player. I think you're a hell of a role player. I think you do your job to the max. I don't think you could be a vocal. We're talking about a dude in Charles Barkley that was a vocal point. A 1A. I mean a 1, not a 1A. We're talking about a dude who was a lead in the band. Barkley said it best. You that dude that's a backup singer in a band that feel like you can have some airtime and start talking. Really, dog? If you look at the group Jodeci, you had Casey, JoJo, Mr. Dalvin, and Devontae. Mr. Dalvin ain't talked that much. I mean, he talked, but he ain't, you know, he did the little interludes. But when it came to interviews, well, I'll take that back. KC and JoJo really ain't talk at the beginning. But you got the gist. That's like boys to men. You know what I'm saying? The baritone dude ain't talked that much in interview. He sat his ass back. And he knew, man, I'm only at home because to the end of the road. He knew he was just a deep voice. He ain't talking that much. He's shutting up. Wu-Tang Clan, 
You God ain't talked that much. Only time, only reason why we knew who you God was because of the clip where he was fussing with Method Man. But you God won't really out there like, hey, I'm M-E-T-H-O-D, man. I'm old, dirty bastard. I'm Jizza. I'm Rizza. Nah, he sat back. Master killing them one out here talking, doing interviews, all up in the videos. You acting like Suge Knight, man. That's what you doing, Draymond. You acting like Suge Knight, man. But I love you, Draymond. Like, Draymond, hell of a player, bro. You're hell of a player. You just, I think you, I, I, I really think you got this narrative out here. You got your money, bro. I, I know Barkley be coming at you. Don't get me wrong. I know Barkley be coming at you just like Shaq did JaVale McGee. But you you know he better than you. Kill him in a different different light. Snap on him. Snap on how he look. Like, have fun with it. I would have went on the show with Chuck. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would have did. I would have been like, see me now, Chuck. See me now. Like, that type of move. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chuck know he ain't better than Shaq, but Chuck still give it to Shaq. Shaq be throwing rings in Chuck's face. Chuck still there. Whatever. When we fought you, when we fought, I dipped, I, hey, I dumped you. That's what I would love to see. How, you know what I'm saying? That's what I would love to see. I wish Draymond would have took it, took it like, invite me on the show then, say it to my face, and then start joking back and forth. Because I think they could, I think you could have marketed it very well. You could have been on T-Mobile. Yo, you could have made so much more money if you would have got out your feelings and really thought. And be like, yo, I could use it to my advantage. Charles Barkley taking shots at me. I'm going to use him to increase my revenue. Instead of going out here having people really, like myself, dissecting your game and realizing like, oh, we don't believe you. You need more people. Because you do. Clay, Steph, out. What you do this year? Triple single. You know what I'm saying? Triple single. Yes, you got rings. You got rings. One of the best teams the NBA ever seen that didn't win a championship. I'm always put that out there. You were on the best team that never won a championship. The best team that didn't win. How does that feel, Draymond? Like, Charles, could you, like, yo, yo, Charles got so many bullets too. Like you, you look. You can't. You mess up when you start comparing your ability on the court to Charles. Just because you out here passing to the light skinned assassins doesn't mean I'm a better passer than Charles Barkley. That don't mean you a better passer. You got people now that's dissecting John Stockton assists. John Stockton got the most assists in NBA history. People saying he ain't the best passer, so I let you know stats don't mean j- that. That's another thing that y'all be messing me up with. So y'all go to John Stockton and say he's not the best passer ever, even though he got the most passing, most assists. But you'll look at somebody like LeBron James and say, this is why he better than Kobe because of numbers. Or Dwayne Wade, this is why he better than so-and-so because of numbers. One minute numbers don't mean nothing. The next minute numbers mean something. So y'all got to clean that up with yourselves too, man. Draymond said him and Steph would have gave Kobe and Shaq problems in the screen and roll. How? Who the man? Look, soon as Draymond saw the screen, we trapping Steph. Shoot that broke jumper, Dre. Can you imagine Shaq and Kobe trapping Steph? He can't see. Shaq trapping. 
Man, they ain't even going to... Look, bro. Look. Shaq will come up. Kobe ain't... Look, Steph ain't getting past Kobe. They just going to trap you, Steph. And Draymond, they going to leave you open. Trust me. I had the same discussion. And I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to wrap this up. But I had the same discussion about Giannis Antetokounmpo compared to Ben Simmons. People glorify Giannis because he will take a take the shot, at least attempt it. But Ben, no, why would I shoot this broke jumper when the odds are in the defense defense's favor? Like, defense to play odds. There's a reason why they leave guys open. They're like, we'll, we'll, take our, we'll take the odds of him shooting a jumper. So if a guy back off of Giannis and Ben and you happy because Giannis at least attempted then go holler at a defensive coach and ask them which one they would rather play against as far as the guy that would take the jumper. Not overall, just if you had to play against Giannis and Ben, which one would you rather just leave open? And they're going to say, well, I'd rather leave Giannis because I know Giannis will shoot that broke jumper. Ben, on the other hand, I'll probably just come downhill or uh, set a handoff screen and get somebody else's shot. So I'm not applauding somebody for attempting a terrible-looking shot. I just want to put that out there. Y'all could y'all could y'all could y'all could stop all the well at least Giannis a shoot. I I'm not I'm not in that camp. I'm sorry. And I love Giannis. Hell of a player. Is he better than Ben Simmons? Yeah, he better than Ben. Um at what he does. Ben is better at what he does than Giannis. People just they don't like Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons told y'all in college, F y'all, I'm majoring in basketball. Up. Oh, I ain't ineligible. That's okay. I get ready for the draft. That's why people really don't like Ben Simmons. Cause Ben Simmons put the middle finger up to folks and did it his way. Went to LSU out of all schools and just played basketball. I ain't go to class. And soon they said he was suspended. He was like, all right, cool. I'm out. I'm just being honest with y'all. And Ben Simmons won't shoot. <laughs> like, the dude just ain't going to shoot. F y'all. I'm dunking. Assist. One of the best perimeter guards in basketball, Ben Simmons. At 6'10". Play with it. Pause. You got people that turn their back at Giannis. Think of how many MVPs you could think of that people just turn their back when they outside the perimeter. As much as I like to make fun of the LeBron fans, I can't put Giannis over Bron because Bron ain't got no weakness. Giannis got a glaring weakness. A glaring weakness. Glaring. But he a bad man, despite that. <laughs> but that's all I got for y'all, man. Y'all know the motto, good is the enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. Make sure you get to stajujuice.com. Get your Shut the Hell Up Juice apparel. And uh, we'll, we'll be back on later today, hopefully, for some draft recap and other topics. So you might get a two-for-one today on Monday, dropping two podcasts in one day. Aight, we out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.